0: get fit guy to learn more welcome to the get fit guys quick and dirty tips to get moving and shape up my name is brock armstrong and i am the get fit guy Cryotherapy sounds like something that you would sleep in on your way to Mars, but it's actually simply what you are doing when you ice your sore ankle, or you take a refreshing cold shower, or you ice your hand after burning it on a hot stove. Simply put, it is the use of ice or cold as therapy. Now, Cryotherapy, which is actually derived from the ancient Greek word for icy cold, chill, or frost, is a recovery method that some pro athletes and biohackers use on a nearly everyday basis. The benefits that are touted by cold exposure enthusiasts include things like Faster recovery time, an enhanced immune system, increased cell longevity, decreased levels of inflammatory molecules like interleukin-6, and, of course, an increased tolerance to exercising outdoors in the winter, especially north of the 49th Parallel. Now, aside from slapping an ice pack on a sore ankle after a misstep during a morning trail run, the majority of the population has never dunked themselves into a 20-minute ice bath or a hot-cold contrast shower or stepped into one of those sci-fi-looking cryotherapy chambers. Now, are they missing out on something amazing? Are you? Well, let's take a look. A bunch of studies have come out recently that show the effectiveness of cold thermogenesis or icing and cold immersion, so let's examine two of them. Both of these studies looked at the effects of cold on decreasing muscle soreness, exercise-induced muscle damage, and inflammation. And the first study is called The Effects of Multiple-Day Applications of Ice to the Hamstrings on Biomechanical Measures, Signs, and Symptoms Associated with Exercise-Induced Muscle Damage. And that study demonstrated that icing three times a day for 20 minutes at a time can assist with soreness. Now, this is good news for anyone who has just started a workout program that has been leaving them feeling beat up and sore, but let's put a pin in that notion for now, because you may want to wait until you've heard the rest of this podcast before you finish your squats or your huge workout and immediately slap on an ice pack. But first, in that second study that I was referring to that's called Acute Response to Hydrotherapy After a Simulated Game of Rugby, the researchers found that rugby players who used two five-minute cold water immersion sessions, or ice baths, were able to significantly reduce soreness and the effects of muscle damage. So yes, whether it's a cold shower, an ice bath, or some cold packs, you can break out the cold if you want to alleviate sore muscles. But does it help with healing? The Greek physician Hippocrates actually wrote about using cold therapy to control pain and swelling way back in the 4th century BC, and the Roman physician Galen described using cold compresses for pain management and soft tissue injuries way back in the first century AD. Now, despite the long history of using ice for pain control, there are studies that are commonly cited in the argument against icing for healing. When an injury occurs, your body creates inflammation as part of the natural healing response. So... The argument goes, if inflammation is the body's natural way to heal an injury, well, why the heck would you want to arrest the helpful inflammatory process? It has also been pointed out that icing has been shown to increase the permeability of lymphatic vessels, which are the tubes inside you that help carry excess fluids back into your cardiovascular system. Now, the problem is, once this lymphatic permeability has been increased, well, there may be a risk of large amounts of fluid flowing back into that sore area, and this could, in turn, cause even more swelling than before. A study that's commonly cited that supports this argument is called the use of cryotherapy in sports injuries, in which the researchers concluded that colds can inhibit inflammation as well as enhance inflammation. Also, when ligament injuries were induced in pigs, a corollary for the type of injury that you and I might get when weight training, the swelling was greater in the limbs that were treated with ice. But in the study, as well as in another study that's called Cryotherapy Influence on Post-Traumatic Limb Edema, The chilly little animal subjects were iced for, well, very long periods of time that were up to one hour in length, and that is well beyond what any sports doc would recommend that you do on your sprained, or is it strained, limb. Another study that is commonly cited in this argument against icing is a 2008 study that's called Is Ice Right? Does Cryotherapy Improve Outcome of Acute Soft Tissue Injury? And this literature review of cryotherapy research concluded there is insufficient evidence to suggest that cryotherapy improves clinical outcome in the management of soft tissue injuries. So, suffice to say that the jury is definitely still out on this one. But does ice reduce swelling? Well, one of the reasons that your muscles get sore after a hard workout is due to the swelling which places pressure on your nerves and your tissue. Now, controlling the swelling around this injury is important because Excessive swelling can create a low oxygen or hypoxic environment that can lead to additional tissue damage, which in turn can slow down your healing. Swelling can also cause enlargement of joints and other tissues and irritate some nervous system components like mechanoreceptors, which are specialized neurons that transmit mechanical deformation information. And this can also contribute to pain and soreness. Now, aside from that study that I cited earlier that showed a potential for the increased swelling after icing, well, it's generally acknowledged that if you have a soft tissue injury, well, icing should be started as soon as possible after the unfortunate event, for a duration of 15 to 20 minutes. You don't have to do anything fancy either. You can just use a frozen ice cup, or a frozen bag of peas, or crushed up ice cubes in a cloth. But for full body muscle soreness and swelling that isn't caused by any particular injury well, cold water immersion works well for that and can be done by simply spending 15 to 20 minutes in a cold bath of around 55 degrees Fahrenheit or by taking a cold shower, generally turned as cold as your shower will go. Before I go on, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Metpro. Last spring, I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, all about metabolism. And his company, MetPro, continues to help thousands of people transform their bodies by hacking their metabolism through concierge coaching. Okay, so how about those cryotherapy chambers? Well, one new-ish recovery craze involves a fancy cold chamber that looks like one of those single-stall shower tubes that you might step right into. Now, despite its growing popularity, the science behind these devices is, well, pretty darn lacklustre. Back in 2016, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration actually stated that there is no evidence these technologies help to ease muscle aches, insomnia, or anxiety, or provide any other medical benefit. In a Scientific American article, the FDA added to that statement by saying that it has not approved or cleared any whole-body cryotherapy devices, and we do not have the necessary evidence to substantiate any medical claims being made for these devices now the agency went on to say that it is based that warning on its own informal review of published literature and generally recognized hazards associated with the exposure to the gas that creates the cold conditions in the treatment chamber and that's nitrogen by the way So rather than paying big bucks, and I do mean big bucks, to step into one of these fancy cryotherapy chambers, you can easily achieve the same or perhaps even superior results with an icy cold shower, or by diving into a cold pool or a river or a lake, or by simply turning off the heater in your car or in your home, well, just every once in a while. More and more research is saying that this fancy cryotherapy doesn't even deliver the same level of benefit that water exposure does. This is summed up nicely in a study that was called Cold Water Mediates Greater Reductions in Limb Blood Flow Than Whole Body Cryotherapy. And in that study, they concluded that greater reductions in blood flow and tissue temperature were observed after cold water immersion in comparison with whole body cryotherapy. Now, this can likely be mostly chalked up to the fact that these chambers just make your skin cold, not your muscles. In fact, in a 2014 analysis of ice, cold water, and whole body cryotherapy, they found that packs of ice provided the biggest reduction in skin temperature and intramuscular temperature. Now, 10 minutes of ice pack usage cooled the skin between 32 to 47 degrees Fahrenheit, while three minutes of whole body cryotherapy, which is the recommended time limit, resulted in between only 6 and 35 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, from my own experience, If these chambers could provide all the benefits that they tout, and they do tout a lot, then everyone who grew up like I did in a wintry, cold environment would likely, well, live forever, or at least never get injured. Now, I've used cryotherapy chambers a number of times, and although it was fun and provided me with a bit of a non-caffeinated pick-me-up during some mid-afternoon sleepies, well, I couldn't say that it cured any aches and pains or helped me burn any fat or protected me from seasonal illness. Whether or not it had any effect on my longevity, well, that has yet to be seen. I guess ask me again in 90 years or so. But back to ice. Does it actually help or not? So, at this point, you're likely as confused as I am, and, well, that's not due to my poor writing or research or podcasting. It is a complex topic, with staunch supporters on both sides. A fellow fitness writer named Alex Hutchinson sums up this complex issue using an Australian experiment, and I think this goes really nicely. The experiment found that ice baths in a water of 59 degrees Fahrenheit accelerated athletic recovery when compared to tepid baths of 95 degrees. But the complication comes in when the subjects in this test found that the tepid baths, along with a special recovery oil, were even more effective for their recovery. Now, the trick here is that the recovery oil was just... Plain old bath soap. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, Hutchinson believes that this study shows that our expectations dictate our perceived recovery. Or, placebo effect, anyone? Now, to add even more confusion, it also turns out that there are responders and non responders to cold exposure. In a study called Can Cold Water Immersion Enhance Recovery in Elite Olympic Weightlifters, the researchers once again investigated whether cold water immersion after a very hard training session could enhance recovery in the elite Olympic weightlifters. However, rather than studying the entire group of weightlifters as a group, they took into account each athlete's individual response to the cold water immersion. And in the end, some athletes did did indeed experience significant improvements in performance and testosterone-to-cortisol ratios when using cold water immersion after their workouts during a three-day period, while some athletes did not. The researchers concluded that there can be both responders and non-responders to icing and cold after workout. So I guess it's up to you to figure out which one you are. Now, if you are somebody who responds well to the cold, well, when should you use the cold? Well, that leads me to one final caveat, and that is that cold exposure should happen long before or well after any type of workout. Sure, it feels really good to dunk yourself in an icy river after a long run or to hop in a refreshing cold shower after a hard crossfit wad, but... Research is actually against it. A study called Does Regular Post-Exercise Cold Application Attenuate Trained Muscle Adaptation found that blunting post-exercise inflammation may reduce your body's adaptive response to your workouts. Now, like I said at the beginning of this icy journey, your muscles becoming swollen during exercise is part of how we become stronger. And also, as we talked about earlier, cold exposure can inhibit the function of the lymphatic system in clearing those inflammatory toxins from our bloodstream. So the takeaway message here is, well, resist the urge to cool yourself and maybe do some foam rolling instead or wait at least a couple hours or more after your workout before you expose yourself to the cold. A fellow named Brad Kearns, who's a former world-ranked professional triathlete who's turned Guinness World Record holding speed golfer, well, he thinks that the best time for cold exposure is likely first thing in the morning, and that's for a cellular and a central nervous system energizer. And also, again, closer to bedtime in order to help lower your body temperature, which can help you get a good night's sleep. And I'll put links to Alex Hutchinson's articles and also Brad Kearns' podcast in the show notes at getfitguy.quickanddirtytips.com. Look for episode 407. But yeah, (laughs) there is evidence to suggest that when you're doing a certain amount of resistance training, frequent use of icing or cold water immersion may actually blunt the training response and possibly inhibit muscle and strength building. But with the other benefits that cold can provide our achy and tired muscles, we also need to consider more than simply whether or not cold exposure can maximize our gains or not, especially when with a little bit of planning, we can keep our cryotherapy and our exercise separate and therefore have our ice and soak in it too. I hate to sound like the guy who's always hedging his bets, but I say if it feels good and it isn't getting in the way of you reaching your fitness and performance goals, well, go ahead and ice your brains out. Even if the idea of getting in a cold shower is akin to whacking yourself in the head with a frozen hockey puck, the evidence is not convincing enough for me to pin you down and pry that puck out of your frozen and inflamed hands. As for me, well, I'm going to stick to my cold contrast showers and my semi-regular exposure to those cold Albertan winters. Now for more information, head over to facebook.com slash getfitguy or twitter.com slash getfitguy or you can find me, Brock Armstrong, at brockarmstrong.com. Now my name is Brock Armstrong and I am the Get Fit Guy, asking you, what are you waiting for? Go get cold. This episode is brought to you by Macmillan, our publisher. This year, Macmillan turned 175 years old. And to celebrate, we brought together Macmillan employees to share their favorite stories of working here. From publishing best-selling books, and I just remember seeing them across the concourse, and I started running up to them, I'm like, you're number one, you're number one! And we all started jumping up and down to making a difference in the world. Of all the books that I've worked on, I feel like this book more than any other has changed people's lives. And that's an incredible opportunity to the impact working here has on our own lives. You know, being at McMillan was kind of a big part of our story to begin with. We officially listed our location on the marriage certificate as the Flatiron Building, and we couldn't find any others that matched in the records, so. So we're just gonna go ahead and say that we're the first to actually get married in the Flatiron Building. (laughs) (laughs) McMillan, bringing authors and readers together since 1843. For more stories of our long-standing history in the publishing business, follow us on social at Macmillan USA. That's M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N-U-S-A. You wear a mask to show you care, that you can help reduce the spread of COVID-19. So your community thanks you, the Virginia Department of Health thanks you, and asks you to learn more at vdh.virginia.gov.